0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Please be seated. Good morning, everyone. In the book of life, Charlie Brown says, in the book of life, the answers are not found in the back of the book. In the book of life, the answers are not found in the back. So can I ask you, where where are they found? Does anyone know the answers? Um, are you a wise person? How would you answer that question? Are you a wise person? What does that mean? How would you even know if you were wise? Where do you go? Where do you go to learn, how to live, how to relate to people, how to work, how to play? In the Christian scriptures, being a wise person is not about uh, winning friends and influ- influencing people. That, that's not really wisdom. It's not about being wealthy. It's not about success or fame. It's not about being skilled in a certain career. Wisdom is not about how smart you are. So what in the world is wisdom about? Are you a wise person? James, in today's epistle lesson, asks us to discern this. And I imagine, I don't know about you, as I'm reading the text, I imagine asking James, well then, James, how how do we answer that question? Like, what is the answer? Is the answer in the back of the book or not, right? Here's what James says in chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. A wise person... You know you're wise if you know where wisdom lives, if you know what wisdom looks like and where it leads. Where wisdom lives, what it looks like, and where it leads. If you have a copy of the scriptures turned there in the Blue Pew Bibles, I think this is page 181, it will be helpful for you to be able to uh, walk along with me in the text. Hebrews, James. Nope, we're still... Yes, we are on page 181. Page 181 of the Blue Pew Bibles. No, we're not. We're on page 180. Don't listen to the preacher. Just find it in the Bible. What does it mean to be wise? I come from Tennessee, which means I like grits. I like fishing. I wish I had more time to fish. I like bluegrass music. Origins matter, don't they? Where something comes from is important. And James says where wisdom comes from really matters. Do you know how to get it? Do you know where it lives? In the text, James writes about origins in a a few different places. Look at verses 15 through 17 of our passage. James 3, 15 through 17. Such wisdom, now he's describing false wisdom... This, this kind of false wisdom, he says, verse 15, doesn't come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and devilish. Look at verse 17. But the wisdom from where? Above. The wisdom from above. So immediately we have this contrast. There's a certain place where you can find wisdom. The question to us is, do you know where that place is? Do you know where to go to get it? Can you find it in podcasts? Can you find it in years of life experience? Is there some book where wisdom lives? James says, no, the wisdom I'm talking about is supernatural. It comes from above. Another place, and don't turn there, you might get lost. I'll I'll read it for you. This is chapter 1 in James. In the opening of his book, he's talking about trials and temptations and how we navigate them, and he moves into talking about wisdom, and he says this. This is verse 5 of chapter 1. If any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly. Where does wisdom live? Well, it's supernatural. It lives Above, It lives not where we are, not inside of us. It lives with God. Finally, in chapter 4, um, a, a bit into our, our, the rest of our passage, um, he's talking about the conflicts and that are disrupting the community that he's writing to. This is chapter 4, verse 1. Those conflicts and disputes among you, it's a question of origin. Where do they come from, he asks. Where do they come from? Do they, not, do they not come from your cravings that are at war within you? Origins matter. I don't know if you've been following this the last number of years, but we've suddenly, as a culture, decided that where our food comes from is very important, right? And how it was grown or how it was raised or whatever. Um, in a restaurant sketch on a comedy show journalist, Matt Seitz describes how... A waitress approaches this man and woman at a table and asks if they're ready to order their food. The woman says, well, she'd like to know more about the chicken. That's what you say to a waiter. I'd like to know, tell me about this dish. The chicken, the waiter says, is a heritage breed, woodland-raised, that's been fed a diet of sheep's milk, soy, and hazelnuts, the waitress says. Is this local, the man asks. Oh, yes, it's local. Is it Oregon organic or is it Portland organic, the woman asks. (laughs) It's just all across the board organic, the waitress says. The questions get more and more intense to the point where the the, the couple sounds like they're doing a background check on a Supreme Court nominee. The waitress leaves for a moment and then returns with a a dossier. His name was Colin, she says. (laughs) Here are his papers. Origin matters to us. Why do we care so much suddenly about where our food comes from? Because we want to know if it's ultimately bad or good for us. Origins matter. Where do you get your wisdom? Where does your wisdom come from? James says it comes only from God, ultimately and only from God. The practical application of this is very simple. Get into the Bible as much as you can. Don't let the your your questions about uh, this how to pronounce this word in the text or the theology of this or that get in your way. Start reading. Start saturating yourself in God's word. In our Book of Common Prayer, in the opening pages, there's a preface where um, the original compiler Thomas Cranmer writes about the impetus for putting together this prayer book. Why why in the 1500s does this prayer book needed? And he basically says, I wanted to put the Bible as a whole, the bulk of the Bible readings together for people, so that you can be inundated with the Scriptures, day and night. The Scriptures are not just read for the priests or for the monks, for the religious professionals. I wanted to put the Scriptures in the hands of the people. So that is to say, if you haven't already made a practice of praying the daily office, morning and evening prayer from the prayer book, which just pours out scripture upon scripture over you every day, then now's a good time to start. Here's another practical application. Next Sunday, we start again Sunday school. It's at 9 a.m. and at 4.30 p.m. because we have a 6 p.m. service as well. So there's Sunday school for everybody. And there are multiple classes to choose from, th- three or four. Some of the classes are four weeks. Some of them are eight weeks this semester. Some of them start next week and some of them don't start for a few more weeks. You can find all this information online and we're gonna ask you in a little bit later to jump on the Church Center app and register. This is a way to find out wisdom. Where does your wisdom come from? James says it comes from God. Here's the second thing James tells us about wisdom in our text. A wise person knows not just where wisdom lives, but what it looks like. Um, Two things about what wisdom looks like that might be different from how we normally think about wisdom. First, James is going to tell us it's action-oriented. You say, Josh, what it looks like, what do you mean what wisdom looks like? I'm, I'm saying James apparently tells us we can see wisdom because it's what people do in the real physical world. Wisdom, for James, is not an abstract, ethereal notion. It's feet on the ground. It's more ethical than intellectual. Second, he says wisdom is relational in nature. So let's see these in the text. First, look at verse 13. Right off the bat, wisdom is ethical more than intellectual. Who is wise and understanding among you? What's the first word there? Show. See that? Show by your good life. What are you supposed to show? How do you show wisdom? How do you see wisdom? Your works are done. Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness born of wisdom. Notice the words show and work. What about its relational quality? Um, Look at the rest of James' description here. Wisdom is gentle, verse 13. Wisdom is not envious or, or, or driven by selfish ambition. Gentle, that's a relational concept. Wisdom isn't boastful or false. Wisdom in verse 14. Now verse 17, wisdom is pure and then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield. Yield to who? Wisdom is a relational concept, full of mercy. You're having mercy on someone, right? And good fruits without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. Partiality is how we treat others. This is a relational idea, isn't that fascinating? In a word, James is describing overall humility. Wisdom is humble. Wisdom is a relational, active humility. It looks like Jesus is what it looks like. Remember Jesus as described by Paul in Philippians 2? He didn't regard with equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking, the form of, uh, taking human form and, 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 and obeying God, even to the point of death on a cross. Wisdom is humble. It's relationally humble. Wisdom, think about it this way. A wise person relates to people without an agenda in mind. That's the description James gives. Doesn't treat people as resources for gaining one's popularity or power. Isn't like stepping over the heads of other people because there's some agenda that this person is after. That's wisdom. That's what wisdom looks like. A wise person doesn't pretend with people. Our temptation, I think, maybe this is just me, our temptation when we think about wisdom is to think of the person who has been perhaps placed or has placed themselves on a pedestal before us as the teacher or the guru, the scholar, the professional, the celebrity, right? That's wisdom, we think. I mean, why else would that person have been, like, risen to the top, you know what I mean? Why else would that person have been so successful in academics if they didn't have wisdom. But what if this was the first sign that you were looking in the wrong place, that that's not what wisdom looks like? What if you went looking for wisdom based on the way a person treated you and the way the person treated those around you? James says, this is wisdom. Interestingly, remember last week, right before James goes into talking about speech and our words, he references teachers. Not many of you should become teachers. There's a little bit of this going on. James is, you can imagine, writing to people who are maybe thinking about becoming teachers. He's saying, wisdom doesn't look like the celebrity. Wisdom looks like the servant. Wisdom looks like not the celebrity, but the servant. In American Christianity right now, um, especially among those in my sort of age group, 20 to 40, there seems to be a a reckoning. There seems to be a reckoning with teachers and leaders of the past, once thought wise, but who have a trail of broken relationships behind them. They have a wake. They've left a wake. And so these... 20 to 40-somethings in American Christianity are, quote, deconstructing in their faith. They're saying, basically, how can I believe something this person taught me about God whose relationship life is a graveyard? How can that be true? James would agree with them. Absolutely, James would agree with them. Are you wise? James wants to know, what does your relationship look like with people what do you look like in relationship here's the third point a wise person knows not just where it lives and what wisdom looks like but where it leads notice the two ways theme here we talked about this last week when James was teaching us about our speech our speech remember he said is a it's a way of life Because James is writing in the vein of wisdom literature in the scriptures. And wisdom literature says there are two ways and only two ways to do life. One way leads to blessing. It follows God's law. One way leads to curse. It leads to destruction. It leads to death. It follows man's wisdom. The wisdom here, you would say, from below. We see this two ways thing again. Here in our passage, because he's comparing the wisdom from above and the wisdom from below. Elsewhere in James, we find this two-ways thing in places like where he talks about wholeness and double-mindedness, or hearing the word versus doing the word, or the two kinds of faith, where faith versus faith with works, friendship with the world, friendship with God, how we treat the rich, how we treat the poor, and so on. There are two ways to do life. And the way of wisdom is leading us somewhere. A wise person knows this. A wise person is living with the end in mind. One scholar said it like this, the return of Jesus as judge is the fuel, is the motivating factor behind why you would want to be wise. That is to say your ethical conduct It comes from eschatological motivation. You're living with the end in mind. Jesus is coming, so live like it. Jesus is coming, so live with wisdom. Our wisdom is a matter of life and death. The other goal that James has in his text is being mature and complete. He's giving all of these different little, almost like homilies based on certain topics the tongue and faith and works and partiality and now wisdom. He's giving all of these because he wants this community that he's writing to to become perfect, to become mature, complete, whole in Jesus. That's the goal. Wisdom is the way we get whole. Wisdom, we get it from above. It looks very relational and active and it's a, it's a means of life or death. Did you know that um, under the ground, all around the globe, under the ground, the most abundant natural source of fresh water on earth for various uh, uh, reasons, we can't get to it, but it's, it's, it's there, this fresh water, this, this amazing resource that all of creation is dependent upon, right? Right? We desperately need water in all sorts of ways. And there's lots of it, but we can't get to it for, for different reasons. It's, we can't figure out how to use it, how to get it out of the cracks of the rock and soil deep, deep under the ground. We can't figure out exactly how to clean it. But if we could, we would be swimming in fresh water, this thing we desperately need. Today, James says, Do you need wisdom? which we reply, yes, because Charlie Brown told us the answers to life are not in the back of the book. Yes, James, we need wisdom. Well, guess what? It's a resource that is readily available, in fact, infinitely available in God. And unlike the fresh groundwater beneath our feet, it's not hidden from us. All we have to do is ask. Here's the gospel good news today about wisdom. James 1.5, James 1.5 says this. If any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly. God does not resent you when you say, God, will you help? I don't have the answers. I don't understand. I don't know how to live in this world. If any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly. We read it this way in our passage. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Lord, make us wise people. Let our community be a place, not just full of smarts or beauty, wonderful uh, music or sermons or but let it be a place thriving with relational wisdom and all humility that looks a lot like Jesus, we pray. Amen.